0: Bound. Um, I'm still. I've been here. Can you believe I've been here almost a year and a half? And it. And I'm still not quite used to the wind yet. Is that normal? Okay. Um, One day I'll learn. All right. Well, we spent the whole weekend with about 150 of you uh, there in Lakey, Texas, at our family retreat. If you have not ever been on a family retreat, I would make plans to come with us next year. It was a lot of fun. We got. to to hear from some great people who have endured a lot but through their faith through prayer they have overcome and I think overcoming is kind of something we are always in the process of doing isn't it but we got to hear from some people who have overcome we also got to witness a baptism Sam Kirkendall got baptized there right in the in the river I'll present his Bible to him next week, and you'll probably see a video of that. But, oh, man, that was great. That was just great to see his mom and dad there baptizing him. And and fortunately, you know, our car on the way back didn't blow up. So that was a nice... Some of you, you, know, weren't here last year. You know, maybe you should come every year just so you can keep up. Um, our car last year blew up, and on the way back, it did not blow up this year. But I did write a letter to Whataburger because, you know, we had Waterburger cups in the car, and that's what I used to, to put out the fire. So I, I wrote a letter to Whataburger. said, thank you for saving uh, our life. And I, and I put actually on the, on the letter, in care of, it said customer service, in care of someone who wants to hear a really cool story. So I haven't heard anything back from them. I know, I, I'm expecting to get a year's supply of nuggets or something, so we'll see what happens. But if you were praying for my family specifically, thank you, all right? Thank you very much. That was really good. I'm excited to be here for another year. Um, this, is, this is a, um, it's always a special day to me, Easter Sunday. Um, but today's a little bit more special, I think, because we have a special announcement I wanted to make. Uh, In the middle of all the excitement, uh, we have had three search teams going very hard for the last year simultaneously looking for three ministers. Um, And so recently, we have had a little bit of movement. Uh, Our children's ministry search team has formally recommended a candidate to our elders, and our elders have officially accepted And so, therefore, it is my distinct privilege to announce that Miss Elizabeth O'Brien, is this working, will be our new children's minister. (laughs) Very exciting. She's right here in the front. She's not going to start till July, and I'll do the commission, but if you want to stand up, just, you know, wave and let everybody see. Hey there, there you are, okay. Good. Um, she's going to follow in some pretty big footsteps of Lois Power, who served here for about 15 years. So we're looking forward to what is next for this ministry. I wanted to read a little bit about her. Uh, a little, she, That's Michael, her husband, by the way, on the, on the, the picture, if you didn't know. Um, she met him at the Campus Center way back. We don't know exactly how many... Well, I mean, you do. Uh, she, she, they met at the campus center, and they were married and have been married for a long time. She's got three sons. She's got a beautiful granddaughter, some be- a beautiful daughter-in-law, and she's been a member here at this church family for 39 years since she was just a child, a baby, right? And so um, <laughs> she said that her love for teaching began whenever her, she saw her father teaching children, five-year-olds teaching them about god teaching them bible and scripture and that kind of ignited a passion in her and she's been teaching for the last 27 years of her life here in the san angelo school district and and so we are so excited about what she is about to do with with our families and with our children so oh if you've been praying through this thank you search team uh thank you phil heading that up good job i'm very excited Now she's not going to begin to the end of July so you can have all that time to say hello and to thank her. So hey, let's begin with prayer today as uh, as we get into our lesson. Our heavenly Father, we are thankful for you. Thankful for the plan that we've had since the very beginning. Lord, since the moment you decided to create us, you knew that by giving us a choice that some of us would choose poorly. And you knew from the very beginning even with all the love in your heart that you had to give us, that we would ultimately choose to reject you. And you knew from the very beginning, Lord, that you would have to do something very serious to make it all right. But you did it anyway. So thank you for that love. Thank you for loving us, even though we, some of us, still could care less. And thank you for loving us. Lord, even if we don't feel that we are lovable. Lord, we pray for our Christian brothers and sisters across the world who are celebrating right now. Some people are in the midst of danger. Some people are hiding. Some people are doing this in secret. And some in Sri Lanka, Lord, have lost their lives because they chose to gather out in the open in front of everyone. seems that some people want to squelch and silence the truth, silence the joy that we have through Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for those families and those people, and I pray that you would be with those offenders, those people who think that through violence they can they can make things better. Lord, I pray for them. I pray that in this room today that... This spark will happen in our lives so that the gospel will flow through us as we leave here today, because we have something that the world does not, and that is hope. So thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Now our series is Yeshua. 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 We've been talking through this for a few weeks. We're going to be going a few more weeks. If you didn't get a chance to hear last week's sermon, it is online. It's on our website. It's also on uh, YouTube. Just look for Johnson Street Church of Christ and you'll see last week's as well. You know, Easter has been celebrated since the early church for thousands of years. Its roots are in Pascha or Passover. And long before there were any denominations, long before there was any type of pope or any idea of a pope, Long before there was anything other than early followers of Jesus, the, the uh, early church celebrated Easter, Passover. And yes, they celebrated the death and the resurrection of Yeshua every time that they met. But they also celebrated again at Passover, Easter. The sacrifice that was once and for all still echoes throughout the world, throughout history, probably the most significant event in human history, and today we celebrate this resurrection, because that was the moment that everything changed, everything, and I'd like to begin today with kind of echoing some things that Michael said, communicating to you what I believe, and this is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is the words of Paul, and I just just imagine Paul's up here reading this to you, and And I hope it's encouraging, because I wanted to remind us of the things that I hope we all believe. Let's read this, or I'll read this. Now, brothers and sisters, I wanted to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as a first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and if Christ had not been raised your faith is futile you're still in your sins but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead amen the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep for since death came through a man, that original moment when sin entered the world, because death came through one man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as an Adam, all die. So in Christ, all will be made alive. Yeshua means salvation. It's a form of God saves. Yeshua is the Lamb of God that was sent to take away the sins of the world. And that sin that ultimately leads to death has been overcome by the power of God through Yeshua, our Savior. Yeshua, remember he told us very clearly in John 16 that in this world you will have trouble. You've probably been seeing the news blow up this morning, but in Sri Lanka, there are over 450 wounded. We usually gloss over that word wounded whenever we read about bombs, but when you're wounded in a bomb, that is wound that will be with you for the rest of your life. There's about 240 plus people that have lost their lives because they chose to worship in the open. This is what we do we're not hiding. Even in some of the most difficult and barbaric places in the world, they are choosing to worship in public. Courage. Because Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But he also said, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. He has overcome. And I can only imagine those around him listening to him in that moment, how they they believed it but I don't know if they really quite fully understood it. And I can only imagine what they thought just a few days or weeks or months later whenever Jesus was suddenly arrested. Arrested. Taken to a secret gathering of Jewish leaders in the dark at night, beaten and tortured until he was finally crucified like a common criminal. And I wonder if he remembered them saying him saying to them, take heart, I have overcome the world. And as He hung on the cross, I wonder if those words were just kind of pinging around in their brains. And I wonder if those people who scattered, those people who, who were running as far as they could whenever they heard the news of His death, I wonder if in the midst of their tears, if they questioned whether or not He was telling the truth. If He really did overcome the world, Because it seems a whole lot like he was the one who was overcome. All they were left is alone and empty. Of course, we know the story. We know how it ends. Privilege of being in 21st century America. But they didn't have a clue as to what was next. For these few, the immediate understanding was this, this, this idea of finality, irreversible. This was it. They'd never seen anybody come back from this. Well, you know, they did, but the one who was bringing people back was the one that was now on the cross. Some things, it seems, are irreversible. But Friday would tr- slowly transition into Saturday. And Saturday was the Passover. It was a day of celebration. It's probably a light atmosphere around. People were excited. You know, the typical greeting on, on Sabbath is Shabbat Shalom, peaceful Sabbath. So imagine being in this area with all of this weight on you, and someone comes up and says, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat shalom. I can see people just singing. And you know, that's something I had to learn as a as a married man is don't be excited when my wife is not. <laughs> y'all been y'all been there? Do you not see that I'm upset right now? But can you imagine? These people, I mean, really, their world is ending, and people are probably saying, Shabbat, shalom. Clueless. I can imagine how much that that weighed on them and made them even heavier and heavier. Because for these people, these followers of Yeshua, it was anything but a peaceful Sabbath. You know, this is the day that people would typically celebrate the moment that God overcame the enemies of Israel. The power of God being shown through this parting of the waters moment. But I imagine in this day, on that Saturday, that for these followers of Yeshua, they were the ones who were overcome. Overcome with grief, overcome with despair, absolute hopelessness. Have you ever been there? In a hopeless circumstance, beyond your control, or maybe it's a situation that you kind of got into yourself, but you really don't see a way out, and somehow you found yourself in a place where you really, you don't know what to do or where to go, or you can't see any way forward. Yeshua was in a similar situation, and the outcome for him was death, and since the very beginning, one irreversible situation for every living thing has been death. Even Lazarus died again, even though Jesus raised him to life. But for Saturday, there's also a Sunday. Turn to John 20. We're going to read this. We're going we're to go through a little bit of the text that Michael went through. And I love this, that we get to kind of rest in this particular scripture. We've kind of hit every area today one from Matthew one from Luke today is John John 20 I'm going to go through this just for a moment Early on the first day of the week while it was still dark Mary Magdalene went to the tomb Now when you read the this word darkness in the book of John you're going to know that he's talking about something specific John's talking about he, he equates darkness with um with a lack of understanding he equates darkness with uncertainty he equates darkness with a lack of faith so so here we have mary uh, this woman who was healed of demon possession she had embraced yeshua as her lord she's coming this devoted follower of, of yeshua she has gone in the darkness in uncertainty with a lack of faith and a lack of understanding to prepare Jesus's body. Now, remember, Jesus died on a, right, right before Sabbath. So you have Joseph of Arimathea, um, and Nicodemus was helping him. You had these men ask for the body of Jesus, and they quickly prepared it before the, the uh, Sabbath came. They wanted to get it done quickly. So whatever they did, it was quick. So I'm sure Mary said, you know, they're men, right? There's a lot of details they didn't think of. And so I'm sure she's going to make it right. Because that's what you do. And she loved Yeshua. So she's going there um, in the dark to give him the honor she really deserves. She came in darkness, fully expecting to see a dead man in a very cold tomb. And she saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance, so she came running to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. I mean, you can kind of see shock, grief, and panic here. Resurrection was the furthest thing from her mind in this moment. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. And reached the tomb first. I love saying, thanks, John, for letting us know who won the race. He bent over, John, and and John bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Now, there was a burial custom for the Jewish man it's for everybody, but for the Jewish man specifically, um, they would cover the body with ointment and with oils, and then they would go and wrap the dead with linen cloths. They did that mostly for everybody. Sometimes the linen cloths were probably soaked in ointment, soaked in perfumes, soaked in oils. Um, but for the faithful men, those who loved God and were, were, were devoted to, 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 to God and to His law. What they would do is they would take their tallit. You remember the tallit that I had here several months ago? They would take that and they would wrap that tallit around their head. That's a, that's a Jewish prayer shawl. Um, today it's more of a shawl. Back then it was more of a garment. Full garment. They would they, they had tzitzit with the little tassels on the end. And uh, they were all very symbolic. But they would cut off the tzitzit and they would take that and give it to the family. But they would wrap this tallit, this prayer garment, around their head. And uh, this Jewish man, this was sacred. It was a very sacred garment. Now, whenever they take this talit off, they had a very traditional way of, t- of, of taking it off. They still do. If you ever go to a, a Sabbath or you see someone doing this, they'll, they will take it off. They'll say, a blessing, take it off. They will fold it in a particular way. They will kiss it, and they will set it down, separate and apart from any of the other garments that they will typically wear. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in his place separate from the linen. And finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and he believed. You can imagine when they saw this, they realized that only a devout and holy Jewish man would have folded this talit in this way. A Roman guard would not have known how to fold that. If they say he was stolen, a, a thief and a robber wouldn't have known how to fold this tallit. They wouldn't have done that. But for Jesus, <laughs> I don't know what happened in that moment he rose, but but he took some time with this. And I'm sure he said the blessing, folded it, kissed it, and set it down. Because this prayer shawl was was a significant, significant thing to Jesus because it represented prayer. This was Jesus' connection to God. That, it was prayer. He didn't have a special hotline or a red phone to God that we don't have. He had prayer, just as we have prayer. Prayer was his source of connection to God, and it's still our source of connection today. Prayer was what helped him overcome every negative thing he ever experienced. It, prayer was what helped him to cast out demons. Prayer was what helped him to heal. Prayer was what helped him to speak the words of God to the people that were around him. Prayer, prayer, this connection, this continual connection to God. It was his power to overcome. Now here we have Mary standing outside the tomb crying. Crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. I think this is very significant, because when we are overcome, have you ever been to that place where you just overcome? Overwhelmed, overloaded, overburdened. When you're overcome and you've given in, it's, it's merely, nearly impossible to see anything clearly, no matter what's in front of you. It's difficult to see beyond ourselves, beyond what we want. Mary, she had completely given in to her grief. Understandable. All she could see was an empty tomb. Her fear and despair had clouded her sight to the point where she couldn't even recognize the angels for what they were or the fact that there were two people inside there that she didn't even know that they were significant she just wanted to know and, and figure out where's Jesus and she was even overcome to the point where she didn't even recognize Yeshua who was standing right there next to her but he asked her Jesus he asked her woman why are you crying who is it you're looking for I think that's a question that he's still asking us today. Thinking he was a gardener, I love that. Thinking he was a gardener. She said, sir, if you've carried him away, just tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, "Rabboni," which means teacher. I know what it means to feel overcome. I've given in. I've had those moments where you... You get a little crazy. And I'm sure you know what it feels like, too. I think some people here have already given in, and some people are living in this point where where you're overcome and you don't know what else to do, so you're just going with it. And I'm sure there are people in this room, in a seat, wondering how they're going to get out of whatever it is they found themselves in. So if you're looking to know a way out I'm here to remind you today, every day that yes, there's a way forward there's a way through it's Yeshua salvation because Yeshua was dead in a very cold tomb but no longer because he's risen. Death, the one constant since the very beginning, has been overcome. And I believe this. Yeshua really has overcome the world. That, that was it. That was the last thing that was keeping us down was death. He conquered it. He overcame that. He really has overcome the world. And, and in those deep dark moments of your life in the middle of your fear of your self-pity of your anger of your pride and addiction and your hurt if you listen i really believe that you will hear the voice of Yeshua calling your name i know you've heard that and we may kind of dismiss that yeah 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 i know he's calling me no i want to tell you i believe he's calling your name Yeshua has overcome through the power of God, through His Spirit. Yeshua, whose connection to God was prayer, has been raised never to taste death again. The same power to connect to the Father in heaven is the same power He had. It's available to us, too. It's available to you, too. And the same power that is that has been offered to overcome death has been offered to you, too. It's just for waiting. It's just for the asking. But it's not just the power to overcome death. Yeah, just the power to overcome death. It's not just that. It's the power to overcome sin. It's the power to overcome anything that keeps you separated from from our Father in heaven. That's the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And it's the power that's available to us, too. Because as we're seeking, in every way we know how, to get past Saturday, we're finding that we're failing time and time again. Have you ever just been stuck in a world of Saturdays? It's it's this power to help you see beyond the tomb. It's this power to help you see Yeshua for who He really is, and that He really is here, close, close. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. And He's calling us. So I'm here to remind you it's a very simple message that the tomb is empty. And we don't have to be. The tomb is empty. So we don't have to be. The tomb is empty. Because Jesus is risen. He's overcome. He has not been overcome. He is the one who has overcome. Let's stand for a moment. We're going to sing a song in just a second. And what I what I want to encourage you to do in this moment is I'm going to encourage you to pray. A simple prayer. And the words are simple. I just want you to pray Yeshua. Help me overcome. It's very simple. You can call him by Yeshua. That's, that's okay. Jesus, if you want. Yeshua, help me overcome. And I believe in those moments, we're opening ourselves up to hearing him. We open ourselves up to everything else each and every day. In this moment, I want us to open ourselves up to what God has for us and that voice that he wants to use to call each and every one of you. Because I believe he's calling us out. And he's calling out that sin in our life that is keeping us from seeing real life. So pray, Yeshua, help me overcome. And I believe that he'll call you out of the tomb because that's where we were destined. He'll call you into new life. And I think he will help you overcome those things that are keeping you from knowing what life fully is. Jesus said in John 17, eternal life is this, to know the Father and the one that he has sent. Yeshua, help me overcome. Let's sing together.